All right, welcome to the Panhandle Primate Podcast. I'm your host, Dexter Kearley. Thank you for joining me tonight or this morning or during your lunch break. Or for me, I listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm mopping floors. So if you're in a janitorial act, thank you for joining me. Uh, I know that there's a lot of podcasts you could be listening to. So the fact that uh, you've even made it this far means a lot to me. Uh, It's a lot of support. So anyway, today's guest, it's actually episode number 47, which is kind of crazy that we're already that far along. I say we like the royal we, I guess, you know, like um, if you've been following along or listening, 47 episodes, I'm I'm pretty surprised. But anyway, today's guest is uh, Dylan Lamar. He is a world-class downhill bike racer uh from bushland texas which it's kind of funny we talk about a little bit in the episode um he is a downhill racer from like one of the flattest parts of the country so he talks about some of the uh difficulties getting ride time in and you know really becoming one of the best in the sport at a sport that isn't right outside his back door he had to drive to go to it you know so ooh, excuse me so he's from out in Bushland, Texas, which uh, I think, let's see, I know Savannah Gates was from Bushland. Were any of my other guests from Bushland that you know of, babe? I don't know who all your guests were. Okay, maybe she'll have to think on that. But there is something, uh, something interesting happened in Bushland, you know, with this whole graduating class, all these people that graduated from the new high school. Uh, oh, Tim Ingalls. Tim Ingalls was out. He's a Bushland guy. Yeah, he didn't go to high school there. Well, the high school wasn't existent yet. Yeah. But anyway, some amazing people have come from Bushland, Texas. Some people doing some exciting things, including today's guest, who's like one of the best mountain, uh, downhill mountain I, There's a bunch of different types of mountain biking. That's another thing I learned in this episode. He kind of laid out all the different styles of mountain biking, and um, he's... One of the best in going super fast down some extreme terrain and um, really pushing the limits. So super good interview, super good guest. Um, he's actually the reason I like wanted to do this podcast. Not him specifically, but um, people like him. You know, these uh, people that you might pass every day and not know there's something really extreme or exciting or um, world-class about them. So it's really cool, uh, which you would know if you know him, if you follow his Instagram or you follow his Facebook. um, It's obvious that he's doing like super amazing stuff. So check him out on Instagram. Check him out on Facebook. I'll have a link in the description down below to his stuff. But we, I think we had uh, maybe close to a two hour conversation, uh, flew by. He's super easy to talk to. And if he ever starts a podcast, I guarantee you within like the first month, it would be more popular than my podcast. Um, he just has a lot of really cool stuff going on and, uh, just some of the opportunities that he's earned, you know, that haven't just come his way, but he's really put himself in line for, uh, it's really inspiring and, uh, it's a super fun, uh, podcast. So hopefully you enjoy it. Um, I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving or Friendsgiving. We celebrated Thanksgiving with uh, some of my family members. Uh, a couple. I went to two different aunts' houses for on Thanksgiving Day, and it was super fun. It was good to see all the family. 
Emmett got to run around with um, some of his little second cousins, which was super fun. Having a youngster has like breathed a whole new like type of life into uh, into holidays for me because he's just so fun and it's fun to see him around family and to you know it's it's weird because like watching him is like watching myself experiencing the memories that I have you know like I see him do different things and it's like damn I kind of remember being a little kid and doing that same stuff but now I really get to appreciate it. Whereas right now he's just like experiencing it. So super fun. I hope everybody had a great holidays. I hope everybody has something to be thankful for. If you're listening to this, you at least have hearing to be thankful for. So sometimes we take our senses for granted uh, when we have them. You know, you don't really think about how beautiful being able to see something is. So it's really cool that we have a holiday. Although most of the time I feel like it, uh, gets expressed through gluttony. Um, it's really good to have at least something to bring you back and be thankful and pay attention to what you what you have, what you're blessed with. So, uh, big shout out to the the holiday of Thanksgiving. So, um, big announcement: Critical Mass Bike Ride, December fourth. Um, it's at five a.m. or five p.m. Um, some filmmakers are coming from LA, uh, former guests or previous guests, I shouldn't say former guests, previous guests, Luis Garcia, um, you know, they contacted him and they were wanting to put together, uh, a filming opportunity for them. I guess they have a client or something. So they contacted, uh, the bomb city critical, critical mass. And Luis is trying to get together a big group. He's needs at least 15 to 20 people to come out. But if he can get 150 to 200, it would be amazing. So uh, help us try to get to that number. I'm going to take off work to do it. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good time. Uh, we, this, you know, uh, if anybody from the Amarillo area ever did P3, uh, which was uh, 575, put it on, it actually just ended. But these group rides are super fun, and this uh, Critical Mass gives us an opportunity to do it every month and get together in a big group, draw some awareness to cycling, um, to cyclists, uh, create a more accessible city because uh, it's a lot cheaper to buy a bike than it is to buy a car. So it makes it, you know, transportation more accessible. Uh, it almost eliminates excuses, you know. If you have a really comprehensive bike path, it's it's more difficult for somebody to say I didn't have a ride because you can buy a bike for a lot less than you can buy a car and uh, I guess your body needs food but it doesn't necessarily need fuel so it costs a lot less to run. Uh, anyhow, um, check it out. It's on Facebook. There's a well. There's a critical mass bomb city Facebook group. There's also uh, Luis started. I believe he started an event tab for it. So check it out if that's something that you're interested in. Um, I'm going to forego, I usually do a lot more announcements, but I'm just going to say I have a Facebook group, the Panhandle Primate Podcast Facebook group. If uh, you hop in there, I'm going to start trying to uh, previous guests of the show as well as just Amarillo local artists, uh, people who, who maybe bands that are coming through town. Just different events that are happening. I'm going to try to post them in there. So if you're 
trying to find stuff to do or if you if you've ever found yourself saying man nothing ever happens in Amarillo uh, I would ask for you to please join that group and hopefully you won't be able to say that after you join the group because I'll be posting enough events not that I'm putting on but that friends of myself or friends of the podcast are putting on uh, in the area so a lot of cool shit going on in Amarillo and um, it just needs people to get out and support it. People to show up and, and, uh, be in the seats, fill the, fill the bars and the backyards and the art centers and wherever else, you know? Um, so man, the air conditioning you just kicked on. Are you going to mess you up? Will you click it off for me? Aren't you about done? I am about done, but it's just, just enough in the background. Thank you. I don't get paid the, enough for this. She doesn't get paid enough. Oh, speaking of, if you want to make it to where Shannon gets paid enough to turn off the the heater while I'm recording a podcast, there is a way you can do this. Uh, I started a Patreon account, and and thankfully, luckily, I guess I should say luckily, um, Ashley Helm, who is AKA also known as Socks. Uh, threw me my first five dollars on Patreon today. What? You don't have to say AKA. And then also and known then as. Also I thought of that about halfway through saying <laughs> it, but then it would be more awkward to stop halfway through. You know, it does defeat the point of making something an acronym if then you just say what yeah. the acronym represents. So, I, I guess it would diminish the the usefulness of an acronym to then have to say any. Uh, anyway, see, this is what happens whenever. You put somebody through college. They start they start just being smart aleck all the time to you. So love that love this woman, but she is a smart aleck. Um so uh she actually she contributed to the buy me a beer tab, so which is a five dollar tab. It's one time one time thing and um it's it's weird how like even though Socks has actually bought me in like real life a bunch of beers. Uh, she's a very generous person in that way, but her doing this through the Patreon just showed me it, it was like a a little bit a nudge of support, you know. And that's I think it's typically all anybody needs in this world is just a nudge, and they'll continue doing what they're what they're doing. Um, so, anywho, um, th- there's three tiers to my Patreon. The uh, only monthly subscription level is a dollar a month. This is the dollar make me holler tier. Um, the next tier is the five dollar tier. It's a one time, one purchase, one purchase uh, uh, tier. And this is the buy me a beer tier. Five dollars. Um, you know, I say buy me a beer, but it's going to go to other stuff in the podcast, like for instance encouraging shannon to turn off the ac for uh recording quality purposes so um and then there's the top tier my ten dollar mythical creature tier this i'm calling it the mythical creature because i don't think i'm going to see very many of them appear um, in past shows i have referred to the male contributors to this as minotaurs possibly maybe the females as mermaids could you think of another one that, like another uh, predominantly female uh, Valkyries? 
That's a that's a mythical creature that's predominantly not predominantly female, but maybe like like, centaurs. Those are mainly males. What's a centaur? Which are one's you a serious? Uh, a centaur. Which one's a centaur? Like horse body and human. Oh, okay. So it's the opposite of a minotaur. Yes. Okay. Yeah, centaurs. They Chronicles of Narnia style. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. I guess there are some in Harry Potter. They live in the woods. Kind of creepy CGI characters. Um, so you could be a Minotaur or a mermaid or a Valkyrie or what was that one you said? Centaur. Centaur. Okay, Centaur. So all of these are options if you contribute $10. I'll refer to you as one of those. Um, and I will be gratefully appreciative. Gratefully appreciative? I'm not sure. It's kind of late at night. I'm, I'm already stumbling over my words. So, but um, if you if you do that, that shows some support to the podcast. It it makes it to where um, I can I have more of an excuse to interview people like uh, Dylan Lamar, like my interviewee today. Super interesting dude. Um, it's a blessing for me to just be able to sit down and interview these super interesting people, um, and that in itself has value to me. But this just makes it to where. I can free up more time, dedicate more time to the podcast, which is ultimately what I want to do because I'm really enjoying it and having a great time. So um, all of that being said, um, the intro song to this interview is by Riley Walker. I've played one of his songs off of his album. I believe it's called Deaf Man's Glance. Which was super cool. He's, uh, I saw him, they came through Amarillo and played the Golden Light, him and his band. And they were super cool, super talented dudes. But he just put out this new album called The Lily White Sessions. And uh, for anybody who has listened to Dave Matthews' band in the past and either liked it, or if you've listened to Dave Matthews' band in the past and didn't like it, both should listen to this whole album. Because... He does some really amazing things with the songs. He does homage to the songs while still making it a new song. It, it's been on like repeat for me for the past four days. I've like worked out to it. I've like chilled out to it. Um, I've drank beers to it. I've drank coffee to it. It's like super versatile album, but it's really brilliant. So Riley Walker, the Lily White Sessions. This is his cover. Grace is gone. So, super dope. Check him out. Um, Check out Dylan Lamar. Follow him on Instagram. He posts, like, some super cool uh, inspirational pictures all the time. He's a dope photographer himself. He, uh, that's one of the cool things I talked to him a little bit about in this episode is he talks about how he's been transitioning more and more into photography and really honing the skill. Uh, Sounds like he had a pretty natural talent. Uh, natural eye for it but he's also getting it gaining a lot of experience just through his experiences it's funny how that works so anyway thank y'all for listening um i appreciate the hell out of y'all for listening uh just drop me a line on instagram facebook uh whatever let me know if so i've been forgetting to do this so if you subscribe on iTunes to this show, if you'll give it like a review and some stars, what it, be honest with your stars. If I'm a one-star show, give me one star. But I think just having people engage the app in that area uh, really, I guess, helps out the visibility of the show. So I'm still trying to figure out how to grow the audience and gain new listeners. 
not so much for the numbers, but more just for the community aspect of it. So all that to say, this is Grace is Gone by Riley Walker. Enjoy this podcast and uh, thank y'all for listening. Until next time, peace.
levels you good right there you comfortable yeah not yeah. perfect oh yeah that's perfect good levels all right so welcome to the panhandle primate podcast i'm here with dylan lamar currently hello where are you currently like based out of is uh, it winter park no so i just moved out of winter park um last november so i am now in denver mm. denver area yeah lakewood golden oh okay. i'm living so okay yeah i love it it's uh I'm like less than an hour from Winter Park. Like my front door to the ski resort is less than an hour. Oh. So yeah, go up ski in the mornings and then come back down to the front range and ride bikes in the afternoon. So it's good. So you ski in the morning and ride bikes in the afternoon. Yeah. So you get, you probably get more outdoor time in like one day than I get in like an entire month. <laughs> more than likely. It's hard, hard not to up there. It's yeah. Just, I mean, the weather's always so good and it's, Yeah. It's hard not to be outside. If you're inside, you feel like you're wasting something. Wasting something, yeah. <laughs> it is kind of cool. That's one of the things that is interesting about that environment. And you just mm-hmm. see it with everybody that lives up there. It's just like, why would you not be an ultramarathoner? Why yeah. would you not be a downhiller? Why would you not be a backcountry skiing or like rock climbing? Like the the base level out there is like 512D. 
yeah. you know, which is oh, like for sure. extreme, you know, it's huge, yeah. but it's, it's like the zero, the mm-hmm. zero was raised like to a different level. Yeah. There. I mean, it's, I mean, we have that literally out of our back door. So it's, yeah, it's when you're looking at it every day, you're like, all right, I gotta, I gotta get up in the mountains. Gotta, gotta be done 70 to get on your bike, go climbing, skiing, backpacking, whatever it may be. It's disc golf. And it's just amazing. right there. It's right there in your back door. So Damn. Good. I can't imagine. So good. I bet the disc golf courses up there are ridiculous. Oh, they're insane. You like no, I'm like a, I'm like a half par disc player. <laughs> and uh, no, they're they're so good, man. They're they're a blast. So um, now I, we'll get into your current profession. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, what's a little bit of like your back story? You know, like where you grew up and stuff. Yeah, um, I mean, born and raised here in Amarillo, over in Crown's uh, Bushland. And, um, yeah, just, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Emerald's an awesome little place to grow up. I love the town, but, you know, I didn't for the path that I was wanting to take. Obviously, didn't really provide that for me, so, you know, I had to move. But, like, yeah, Emerald's awesome. I love it here. And, you know, graduated Bushman High School in 2010. So, one of... One of the questions I had for you was like, mm-hmm. do you feel like growing up in the Panhandle gave you any advantages for like where you're currently at in your life? I would I would say so because we don't, you know, what what I do, it's, you know, we don't have it here. So I think mm-hmm. I had a lot, it made me respect it a lot more, you know, with doing, you know, to go ride and train. I was having to drive, you know, um, Angel Fire, you know, Bike Park was the closest one. So I was just like doing suicide trips. From there, a lot of times by myself, like just to get ride time in. Mm. But all these kids that grew up with it out their back doors and everything, I think, yeah, I think I just had a little bit more respect for it, and it, I was willing to do anything it took just to get you know. There's like a sense life. of urgency, so, like yeah. built in because it's not there. Exactly, so you have to work and get there. Uh, you mm. did a lot of uh, what do they call it? Like what is uh, like the canyon? What What's that style uh, of riding? Like cross country riding. Cross country mm-hmm. riding. Did you do quite a bit of that when you were growing um, up? Or honestly, I really didn't do much. I hated pedaling. Yeah. I was just so over it. I just wanted to go downhill. And um, so I raced BMX since I was really little. Mm. And see, so I was really big into BMX and motocross and you know dirt jumping. You know, I had uh, four acres out in Bushland mm. that I would just go out there and just dig all day long and just you know building jumps. You know, bigger and bigger and bigger and yeah. So you so. you come like your your lineage is like like motocross right mm-hmm. like a lot of dirt bike riding yeah. a lot of and that's one of the things you see somebody that maybe came up in like the cross what'd you call it cross, cross country, country cross country mm-hmm. world that's more pedaling and they handle the bike differently oh 100 then you see somebody that's a motocross downhiller and it or bmx actually mm-hmm. i mean i think all of those uh definitely complement each other Absolutely. and just the way they handle their bike is just way different. It's just uh, like riding with Riley yeah. uh, back when when they lived here. Riley and Morgan lived here. I'd go riding with them, and it was just like they'd hit a corner, mm-hmm. and it didn't make sense in my mind, like how they were handling the bike. Because yeah. I I kind of came at it. Granted, I've never been much of a mountain biker. Yeah. Um, but I came at it from a flat pedaling, you mm-hmm. know, kind of trying to. Try to gain speed out of my pedal strokes, yeah. not out of my technique. Whereas yeah. it seems like motocross maybe is opposite. In a way, yeah. And you know, in BMX, it's all you know. Of course, it's pedaling for sure. Mm-hmm. But then you got to worry, you know, worry about pumping and jumping and gaining mm-hmm. speed off every little bump you can possibly get a little bit of backside on to propel you just that hundredth of a second, little mm-hmm. more. Because I mean, that's all you need to win a race these days, you know. And so, yeah, just you know, cross country to. 
you know, now, you know, enduro is huge. And mountain biking yeah. and downhill and everything, it's, yeah, just two completely different riding styles. And I think the people that grow up, you know, racing motocross or BMX, dirt jumping stuff, you, you can, you can always teach those people how to pedal, you know, get the endurance base. Yeah. But the people that grow up cross country racing, it's much harder for them to learn the skill sets that we've, we've learned throughout the years of yeah. riding. Because it's just two completely different spectrums there. So, so and, and a lot of that has to do with, trying to change the mindset of looking where you're at to looking where you're going. And where, right? Yeah, exactly. And where you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, going to the cornering, it's, there's so many little things that go into making just the perfect corner. Mm. And like, no matter who you are in the mountain bike industry, you could be the world champion, but you can always get better at cornering. Always. And that, yeah, it's just that little extra bit, like breaking here instead of breaking, you know, a little too early or late or your pedals are off a little bit. Mm. You aren't looking exactly where you want to go. So you have to like, barely tap the brake a little too much but that can cost you a race right it's there, like so it's so so like you're in what's interesting is whenever you start talking about like less than seconds oh yeah i right? mean i mean you can have 10 people on the same second on a three and a you know depending on the course it could be anywhere from three to four and a half five minute run and yeah i mean the top 10 top 15 guys will be a second second half from each other because mm-hmm. then you know when you, when you start getting into hundreds and that it's literally one little corner or one rock where you like tap a break just too much or it's just the, all the little things that add up to the picture and if you do you know a few tiny little mistakes i mean that's half second so it's Dang. it's a crazy it's a crazy thing man that it is super crazy yeah. so so whenever you whenever you decided or like when did you decide that this was your path, like forward? Like this, this um, is uh, I'm all in on downhill racing. Like when was that? Um, probably when I was like 16, I would say, because I, I rode in uh, Angel Fire. I think I was I was 10, maybe 11, and I was I was on a hardtail, specialized P2 hardtail that I was dirt jumping on. I wasn't didn't have a downhill bike, full mm-hmm. suspension, anything, but my brother did. And so they were doing a race called Final Descent up there, and it was snowing and raining, you know, and I was like 10, 11 years old up there, just like all in my moto gear, because I didn't really know what to bring. (laughs) I was just going along with my brother, and I did one run, I hated it, and I said I never want to like ride downhill again. I thought it was, I was just over it, because I was just soaking wet and cold, you know, it's not a hard to ride, if you ever ridden Angel Fire, the place is so freaking rough. And yeah, I came down, and I told my parents, I was like, I'm done, I don't want to do it. Nothing to do. I didn't even race. And then I didn't pick up a downhill bike until I was 16. I bought it from old friend Kale Wilson mm. and um, an old intense M1. And I was like, all right, I'll give it another shot. And I went and just, I don't know what it was. It just like clicked. Just a completely different, well, like yeah, the, different thing. the travel on those downhill bikes is yeah. ridiculous, right? Like the yeah, suspension I mean, and everything. It's like a completely different machine. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, we have pretty much eight inches of travel front and rear. So thinking, you know, a dirt bike is without the motor is pretty much what almost mm-hmm. we're riding, you know? And, oh yeah, I mean, it, with a bike with properly set up suspension is just, it's like the riding down on a Cadillac, you know? It's yeah. so nice. And the way all the technology that, you know, is in suspension these days or bikes and everything, you know, and like racing and working for, you know, one of the top bike manufacturers, it's the thought process of every little thing into it is just... It's well, mind blowing. So, so take me through. Take me through. Okay, now, so uh, you moved from Amarillo uh-huh. to Winter Park. Is that was that your first like step into like this full time? Yeah. So 
my um, my in between my junior and senior year of high school, I went to um, a good friend of mine, Chris Boyce, raced for uh, Yeti Fox Factory Racing World Cups, one of the top Americans, and I was very um, fortunate to kind of have him as my trainer, kind of my mentor on that. And I moved to Angel Fire for it with him for a while that summer just to ride and train. Mm. I got a job at the resort there, made good friends on the trail crew. You know, we were just cutting trails, and I was just living there because I could ride. Yeah. You know, if you've ever been to Angel Fire, there's nothing to do outside yeah, the yeah. resort. And I, I wasn't, oh, I was 17, and um, 16 or 17. And, you know, I couldn't go to the bars or anything, so I would just go build trail and ride all day, and then just go straight to bed, and then wake yeah. up early the next morning and do it again. And then after my senior, during my senior year, um, had an opportunity to move to Winter Park to kind of pursue it and kind of go see where I can go with racing. And then day after high school graduation, I moved up there full time. So, so now were you at CND Ski? Yeah. You were still in high school? Yeah. So actually funny with that, I moved to Winter Park and I was there for a while. And then, you know, things were going great, but I knew I wanted, I wanted to do school. Um, but I was trying to, you know, I wasn't able to get uh, in-state tuition yet or anything like that. Uh, I was like, all right, how can I do school as cheap as possible, but to get what I want. And so I ended up moving back here for a short amount of time, went to AC and just busted out, you know, you know, two years there. Mm-hmm. And during that time I was at CD. Okay. Shop. So you were like, you were always a name just from the friends that I kind of had. Mm-hmm. They, they dabbled in the downhill and mountain biking and just outdoor i think the outdoor world yeah you were always kind of a name so i knew the name dylan lamar but i don't think i connected it to you as a person until you were working at cd i think that's the first time i met you was uh was there you know and it it did seem like it was kind of like a brief period yeah it was 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 super short and then you're back up to winter park yep moved straight and then day the day i took my finals um ac i moved straight back to winter park Mm. yeah and it was i mean I know it was definitely you know, a sacrifice coming here doing school and everything, but I mean, racing doesn't last forever. You know, yeah. you got to think the long road. So I was trying to do that. And um, yeah, I couldn't wait to get back up there. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Amarillo, but it's, yeah, it's it's not Colorado. It's you can't there, get so. your fix here, man. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, everyone up there, you know, they're training and riding, doing everything. And mm-hmm. I was still doing tons of trips up there riding. You know, I mean, you know, just again, riding Angel Fire a lot, getting. I actually got more into cross country riding here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's building up a good solid base, you know, of my body of endurance. Cause I mean, if a lot of the top down races in the world, I mean, you got to have the fitness of a cross country athlete. You got to be able to pedal when you need to. Yeah. The motor, so, the motor is not the reason that those guys don't pedal isn't because their motor isn't there. No, it's yeah. It's, it's because there. it's because it's there. They're just trying to ride to where they don't necessarily need to pedal until they have to pedal. Exactly. They're, and then and, and there's still a lot of pedaling in it. Like it's, I mean, and maybe you think about it, go do burpees for three and a half to five minutes straight. And that's pretty much like going through a downhill run. Your, your well, heart. it's, it's so, it seems like it's such a, now to me personally, if I were to ride one of those bikes, I would do one run and I'd be so exhausted just from yeah. my nerves mm-hmm. from over gripping or from tensing up or from being freaked out, you yeah. know, like you're constantly on edge. It's like just worrying about everything around you when your trees are flying by, rocks are coming at you, big jumps ahead of you. So it's yeah, learning to like control the nerves and bring your heart rate down a little but you're, bit. You're quieting all that, right? Mm-hmm. Like in that moment, you're, you're, Whereas I might look and see chaos, yeah, you're you're finding your way straight through it. Like mm-hmm. you're, it's quiet for you, right? Yeah. Or it, or is it? I, I don't mean, know. it's 
you know, every course is different. You try to be you know, as calm as possible, but mm-hmm. then there's some race courses you go to that, like, you know what's there, and you know there's gnarly sections that you have a really good chance of going down in. But, you know, if it's, you know, you're going for the win, then mm-hmm. you have to just, you know, let off the brakes and just <sighs> let her rip and just kind of say a quick prayer <laughs> and get through it, you know, so... So did you did you find the community up there in Winter Park was it receptive to a Texas boy moving up it there? It was it was different for sure. You know now you know I've lived up there for a long time and a lot of Texans come through. You know, I worked in rental retail for a while there. You know to get my pass at the resort and like I I kind of see where they got the mm. the thing on. You know, you know a lot of Texans come in and just think they run the place and you know I'm from Texas as well so I'm you know my name tag I'm old Texas so I'd always you know. Yeah, you know, talk with them. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Up, you know, different things. But it was definitely kind of a a learning curve, I would say, a little bit. But yeah. up there, you you get your respect off of your skills on the mountain. Whether it's you know in the winter and skiing or snowboarding, or in the summer on cycling. So like, if you you know are a decent rider or ski or snowboard up there, then it's no matter where you're from, it's like all right, cool. Like this guy's pretty. Yeah, chill, so. Shannon, Shannon and I came up there. I can't remember. We were trying to remember when it was. It was probably four years ago, three years ago. We were doing a little tour, little Colorado tour, and we stopped mm-hmm. in at Winter Park. Oh, it, remember, it was the Red Bull, the Red Bull thing. You were taking pictures at it. We went to like an after party oh. with y'all. I'm trying to remember what that was. I can't. It was it was while back. Yeah. I mean, that was the only time like we were up there. Oh, was it Free Ride Festival? Possibly. Yeah. I think oh, yeah. It was. I, was, I was photographing that. Yeah, Free yeah. Ride Festival. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because you were like a celebrity up there. <laughs> not not that I not that that's funny in itself, but it was yeah. kind of like one of those things where it was like, you know, uh, I don't exactly know. There there is a funny thing between. Colorado and Texans for sure but you can earn your spot mm-hmm. there you know yeah so it was kind of like one of those things where it was like Dylan's earned his spot here like you yeah. know he's he's like kind of like the golden boy or something you know I mean it, <laughs> yeah, was, it, was, it wasn't that extreme of like uh of like I'm not saying everybody was like you know like ah you know but yeah, you could tell it was sure. like people everybody was happy to see, well, in, like you and like Riley Morgan, it was like mm-hmm. like y'all had assimilated into the culture. Y'all had Definitely. plugged in, you know? Yeah. And it, it was kind of like, you know, I think so often they get a taste of Texas um, up there, but mm-hmm. it's just people touristing, oh, you, know? Yeah. They, you know? So they don't get to actually know the culture of that person. They just get no. to see them in tourist mode. Yeah, and that's, and that's something that... You know, again, like Riley Morgan and myself, it's something that, and Price Elgar as well, like I lived with him up there. Mm. So it's, we kind of set, you know, gave Texans a good reputation up yeah. there, I would say, you know, and it's, and yeah, you know, once you start doing well at events there, you know, I was um, winning a lot of the events there in Winter Park. I won, you know, Colorado State Downhill Championships there in Winter Park. And that was the first time a Texan has taken the title. So really? that was like a, kind of a big step there. So yeah. like, I wouldn't say that I could piss people off, but people are like, Damn, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, the Flatland, yeah, Flatland Texas boy, he's coming, you know, so it's cool. It's everyone up there is so amazing, so nice and welcoming. And I've, I mean, I've made some of my best friends that I'll, you know, know forever mm-hmm. up there in Winter Park and just Colorado in general, the Front Range, everyone. So it's, it's an awesome spot. I love it. It is an awesome, like, uh, just atmosphere, like, just yeah. the, the, you know, run of the mill attitude mm-hmm. is 
so refreshing just to be around it for even a little while. You know, it's almost, I could definitely see how it would become like almost addictive to be around mm-hmm. people that are constantly saying like, how are you doing? Yeah. And, and they're not asking, um, how's your job treating you or how's this? What they're saying is like, are you able to push yourself to the extreme and mm-hmm. and take advantage of everything that we ha- that this place has to offer? You know, it's almost yeah. like a uh, I don't know. It's kind of a weird. I don't. I, maybe I don't have the words for it. Maybe you have a way of yeah. Phrasing it's it. just a different. They have a different outlook on everything. You know, and like Lada Ski Resort, it's literally people from all around the world is living there in this tiny little valley mm-hmm. of a ski resort town. So yeah, everyone in the valley kind of becomes your like second family. Ooh. You know, you worth them every day. When you go to the store, you see them. When you go to the, the bar or restaurants, you know everyone there. Every time you walk in, it's, it's more just a family feel everywhere. And you know, just like you said, you have always people hitting you up. Hey, how you doing? What are you doing this? And it's always like, they're going to do something really cool. And they're like, come on, let's go. Like we're going to hike, you know, 14 or today, or, you know, um, I know friends that go hike numerous 14ers in a day, mm-hmm. or let's, you know, wake up early, go on a ride, then let's go ski or something. And it's always, yeah. I mean, no one up there moves up there for the money. We don't make a lot of money up yeah. there at the resort, but we get to, you know, play and do everything we love for free. So it's kind of, it averages out. Yeah. Instead of living here and paying to go do that, might as well live there, make half as much money but you don't have to pay to do anything. Right. It's your out of your back door is vacation. You're exactly. Yeah. You live, yeah, I mean, door. you live in a postcard. Mm. You live every day as a vacation. So it's pretty cool. That is crazy, dude. It's That's super cool. wild. So, <laughs> um, let's see. So <clears throat> part of, part of making like the transition to professional, mm-hmm. um, I'm guessing that the money isn't there right off the bat. Absolutely not. So, <laughs> But but you have to make this huge commitment, mm-hmm. like right there. So like, you said that you work at the uh, you worked at the mountain. Mm-hmm. But what else did you do? You said you got into photography. Was that your first like dabbling with photography, or were you already um, into taking pictures? Or I was into taking pictures when I was here, but just very very little. Like I had a little like Canon T six Rebel, like nothing fancy, but something I would just kind of go out and just like shoot some photos. Mm-hmm. But I just had fun with it. And then while I was up there, you know, it was, you know, just like you talking about putting content out and all this and that. And like, up there, it's hard not to. You're just right. like, I, I, want, I want to take a picture of this. Like, hey, buddy, like, film me doing, you know, going through this section. And I'll film you and we'll throw it together and we'll post it up. You know, so I just started doing that. And I started really, really enjoying it. And then I had an opportunity in 2016, um, mid, or towards the end of the summer, I had a really bad uh, accident in Steamboat at a race up there. I had a pretty bad neck injury. And I was, you know, on a neck brace and everything for a while. And the we do a photo shoot at the resort every year for all the like the posters and ads and everything mm-hmm. comes out. And the guy that does it, Chris Walhausen, is the uh, photo director for Transworld, Transworld mm-hmm. Snowboarding. And he does it every year. And we got to become really good friends. And he came and um, was doing the photo shoot. But I was in a neck brace. I couldn't do anything. And he was like, dude, just like come out. Keep the vibes alive. Be hype, man. And he's yeah. like, yeah, yo. He's like, yeah, I know you take pictures a little bit. Bring your camera. Get some shots. And he's like, coming out. So I was, you know, loaded up everything in the truck, riding you're with everyone, just walking around in my neck brace. <laughs> like, just like being hype, man. You know, just had a speaker with me. Just like, just getting everyone going. Yeah. And, uh, took, you know, took a bunch of photos. And uh, the next day, you know, I downloaded everything, edited it, and like showed Chris. Like, yeah, there's a few things I got. And he was like, wow, like, these are really, like, really good. And he said, "I'm. Would you ever, like be interested in like moving to California uh, to be in my photo assistant at Transworld?" So I was like, 
hell yeah, that'd be yeah. insane. Um, and he's like, cool, like, when can you move? And less than three weeks later, I was living in my van in California, right in Encinitas, right literally right on the beach, and um, yeah, working in Transworld, like doing photo assistant for him. Wow. So that was like a huge like opportunity and eye opener for me is learning. You know, I mean, growing up as a kid, that's all I read was, you know, Transworld motocross, snowboard mag, you know, Transworld skateboarding. You know, I was really skating for a long time. And so it's like to be under that roof with that many like talented people, photographers, videographers, athletes coming in every single day of like my heroes that I grew up watching. And now mm-hmm. it's like they're just coming in. You know, what's up, dude? How you doing? I'm just, like, you know, starstruck. Oh. But yeah, you just, you just kind of act cool because they're because they're stoked on the magazine and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's super cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and so that was. I learned so much from being there, just doing that every single day from working in the studio to going to shooting, you know, to do tours with him, shooting other events there in California, motocross stuff, skateboarding, everything, and got to grow the relationships with him as well as everyone else in the mag too. Mm -hmm. So it's like anywhere I go or it's always like knowing someone in the industry. So that was really cool. Well, see, and that's one of those like, it's an investment moving up there. Mm -hmm. So you're not moving up there for the money. No, but you're you are gaining all these like relationships, yeah. connections, opportunities. I mean, if you're if you're moving up there with a mindset of I'm going to work my ass off, there there's doors that are there to open. You For know, sure. yeah. And with that, you know, in uh, Southern California, I mean, they can ride bikes year round. So that was another reason. I was like, okay, well, I'm living at the resort. You know, it's snowing during the winter. I love, you know, snowboarding, skiing, everything, but I, I need to be on my bike. And because that was a big downfall each season, I was coming into it and not having the seat times other people were, even though I was living there, but, you know, we're under snow. Yep. So I was like, cool, I moved there, work for the mag, and I can ride literally every day. So I was going, you know, going in the morning, working at the magazine, doing that, and then riding every evening. And uh, so that was. That so was did huge. you notice like a huge oh, jump? Yeah, it's like the- coming into that next season, which 2000. Last year, actually, 2017 was just, you know, I was on a, a, you know, where I usually am mid-season, I was coming in early season. Fitness-wise, just being comfortable on my bike, everything, I was like, all right, cool, let's, freaking, let's get it, like, ready for the season to kick and off. So. so, was 2017 your most successful season? Um, 17, I would say, I would say so. That was, that was a really good year for me. That was the year I won um, Colorado State Champs that race or and yeah did one a lot of other events and um did well at nationals that year and it was yeah ended healthy which is always a goal yeah <laughs> I would say. how often and, does that happen like that uh a person i mean because you you hit a did you hit all the events you were wanting to hit like full circuits and i mean for for the most part yeah you know even at that point it's you know, it's it's a struggle finding you know support and money backing this mm-hmm. and that. I mean, it's it's a hard industry to get it's that stuff. You know, um, so I definitely hit everything I pretty much wanted to. And you know, you with you make friends in racing, other teams and companies. You know, ride with people to this event. Mm-hmm. You'll meet you here. We'll all, you know get a house together. Mm-hmm. So it's you know just making those connections throughout racing and you just you know Instagram. And Facebook, so like how many how many? Uh, I guess that wouldn't. I want to say how many like runs does that mean? Like how many full bore runs does that mean? Like going all out, mm-hmm. really like at your limit. I mean, one like of those. Throughout, throughout the season? Yeah, throughout the season. Like um, how many? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, every year I'll do probably anywhere between like 25 and 30 ish events. And you think, you know, it's 
say 25 to 30, three and a half minute runs. And so it's, you know, all you train all off season, all during the season, all the traveling, all the money you put into, you know, the thousands of miles that you put on your vehicles that you're flying for a couple minutes run, you know? Wow. So it's, but when you, but when you do well, it's freaking rewarding as hell. So yeah. Yeah. Let's go. But it's, it's, you know, accidents happen. I mean, you can get a flat 30 seconds into your run and there goes the entire race week of everything that you prepped for. You could even qualify first, like nationals, I think it was 2013 at us nationals. They actually held it at angel fire, you know, top American racers from around the world. Now I was, I was still kind of on the kind of come up as a racer. No one really stuck, still knew me that much at all. And showed up to nationals. I qualified fifth, and I was the only privateer to, like in the top uh, fifteen that year that did it. I was fifth, and it was I mean ex world champion, the top, and then three top Americans and me, and that right there was like showed like turned a lot of heads. Like dude, who's this like, doing the market? And you know, in finals, ended up um, towards the bottom of the course, ended up getting a puncture on my retire. Uh, I got twelfth. But like I was just a couple seconds off from a top five, uh, and so it's like you know it's this little things like that that's gutting you know. But you know you always as long as you leave healthy then. And that's what's happy. that's what's so wild to me is because it's like you can you can do your part mm-hmm. to eliminate all of the variables. Yeah. But there are still variables that you can't you cannot you eliminate. Control over. Yeah. There's no way of. There's no way of. Uh, seeing if a rock's gonna pop up on you, or mm-hmm. seeing if a corner is gonna cave, or seeing yeah. you know puncture on your tire. I mean, like even and weather like as well. I mean, weather Ooh, plays a weather. huge factor. Shit. I, I mean, you can. I mean, this year, oh, every national except for two was just an absolute mud fest. Just and uh, actually, yeah, was it U.S. Open this year in Killington, Vermont? You know, perfect weather leading up to, you know, it was raining a little bit, but it was a freshly cut course. So it was just making it really tacky. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then um, qualifying started raining a good bit and kind of got through it good. And then that night before finals, it just dumps, mm-hmm. doesn't stop dumping, like almost through the event and just changed the course. And then it turned into who can get down without crashing. I crashed five times in my record. <laughs> like... Yeah, and just sliding down your feet off, just like trying to stay on your bike. You're just covered in mud. You're crashing. Every time you crash, you know, mud's getting on your grips, your hands. And it, it was just a battle to get down. Uh, Absolute battle. But, I mean, again, I mean, it's that's what you deal with. And it's racing, sport. and you move on to the next one. And I have seen several of those events that I've, like, kind of watched. Or, you know, it, it seems like the beginning, like, almost qualifying early is, like, the you know, you want to get your runs. Mm-hmm. If you qualify top, does that mean you go last? Exactly. Yeah. So if you qualify as the best guy and it's raining right at the beginning of the event, that means all these guys are going to get runs in on a drier course than you're, you're going to be on. Yeah. So you kind of, that's when our strategy kind of comes into play. You're looking at the weather, qualifying morning. It could, you know, potentially be really horrible weather starting at 11 on finals day. You know, and that's when we're starting. So it's like, all right, I'm just going to put down just like a mediocre, solid qualifying run. And, you know, some events, a lot of times it's just seating. You know, everyone will get in finals. And then if it's, you know, certain big enough events, only a certain amount will qualify. So you have to push it Mm. or you aren't making finals. Right. So then it's like, all right, do I freaking just go for it? Or (laughs) decide to like put down, try to put a decent run in to qualify lower, 
you know, because you don't really get, you know, points for qualifying. So yeah. to start, you know, earlier than finals day, if it is going to rain and sometimes See, it works, sometimes it doesn't. That's, an, that's what's so cool about, I don't know if it's, it's just competition in general, you know, is mm. there is the, like you said, three and a half minutes of go time, mm. but there's all this thought and energy and planning and, you know, Hours strategy hours that goes into all around it you know mm-hmm. all for three minutes you yeah. know it is wild you yeah know? That, it's a crazy sport. <laughs> and then like you said then it comes down to a second yeah it's like you got you got uh you've got uh all these months of preparation and you got a three minute run and it comes down to seconds mm-hmm. it's like that is incredible you yeah, know? I mean, when you watch the, I mean, skiing, you know, the oh, Olympics, yeah. you know, yeah. think of the Super G, John mm-hmm. Solomon, all this stuff. I mean, there are hundreds of seconds, and they're just going so fast for such a short amount of time. And, you know, just like in skiing, you know, if you, you catch one edge in a corner, and that you catching that one edge could be catastrophic. Yeah. So it's, yeah, just being as fit, as strong, as healthy as possible, ready to, yeah, anything that'll that's coming up at you, so... So, so you, you make, you make the transition into pro Mm -hmm. and you say van life, is that like come with the territory? Is it pretty much like a lot of people, you're van life and like, that's just how it works. A lot of people. Yeah. Because you're, you know, traveling so much. I mean, this summer I was in Colorado, you know, my, my, my van, my home for two and a half, three weeks, maybe. So you're you're traveling all the other time. So it's like if you don't you know you don't own a home, then you're paying rent. You're just throwing money away, pretty much for a storage unit. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so it's throw everything in storage and yeah, buy a van, convert it to what you need to live on, and start traveling in that, and that's your home. Yeah, <laughs> save as much money as possible to you know get to every event. And that's what you kind of. My kid is scooting <laughs> around chairs. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so that's kind of a lot of people do that for sure. Or you, if you do have a place to live, then you're probably living with quite a few other guys. So what, what kind of van do you got? I, it's a Promaster? Uh, I, I did have a 2015 Dodge Promaster that uh-huh. I was uh, at it for a while and ended up selling that. And uh, I'm going to have a uh, 2012 Ford F-250, like 18 passenger van right now, all like black, murdered out, six inch Fox suspension lift. Like wow. it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's just something a little smaller, you know, cause it was my daily driver as well. Mm. So I just have it, you know, a big comfy bed in there to sleep on storage, solar shower up top. Um, you know, just throw an inverter in there for, you know, a little thing for coffee, a little things here, charging phones and that's all I need. That's all you need. Yep. I don't have anything super, super fancy. Just it's super cool because around. like, it seems like your, your profession, like what you chose to dedicate your life to, mm-hmm. like started removing things out of your life that you didn't need. For sure. You yeah. know, and it, it like almost forced you to look at your life and say, I got to boil it down to three minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, like I got to boil it all down. Like, yeah. so was that, uh, I know your, your family has a lot of experience with like extreme sports, mm-hmm. but was there a mind shift that happened from going high school amateur uh, to pro? Like, was there? Um, I, I would definitely so for sure. It's, I mean, with any you know sport, it's you know there's the amateur ranks and then the pro. Then once you get there, it's like it's game on. You know, like people are making a living doing that, and that's it's cutthroat. It is you know everyone's trying to win a race because at the end of the day, I mean, you're 
if you win, like you get a decent paycheck, mm-hmm. and everyone you know needs that money. A lot of times, you need that check to get to, to the no, you know the next race. Yeah. So in your mind, it kind of turns into, you know, I'm still doing it because I love it. It's what I want to do. But then again, it's our, our now it's kind of a job. Yeah. And now and, and that that kind of mentality switches definitely a little bit to just for fun, amateur. You know, you win, you get some prizing here and there. You know, some swag but then now it's like all right now i'm going for money we need to step up the game step training up and really get in a mindset of am i really going to try to do this or just kind of be a average joe just run bikes yeah do you have fun riding bikes that would you still yeah is it still like because this is this is one of like the things i was wondering like when i was thinking about this interview is like i wonder because you're you're at the limit when you're riding fat, like when you're riding a race, mm-hmm. you're like maybe even beyond your limit sometimes. Maybe you're beyond anybody's limit. Like that, mm-hmm. y'all are each racer is defining the new limit Definitely. by pushing the, you know. And to me, that seems like it would be such an extreme environment, extreme headspace. Mm-hmm. Then it's kind of like, well, well, then like when you back it way off and you're just cruising around you know mm-hmm. like is it still fun you know oh, yeah like, because then when you are going you'll slower and just like cruising down a trail whatever then you can just start you know throwing nose bars off rocks mm-hmm. just trying to just boost off anything that you can you know if you got buddies with you you're shooting rocks with your tires and each yeah. other's wheels you know just kind of <laughs> you know pounding some beers on a ride whatever yeah. then it's just more of a fun environment you aren't out you know you aren't going out on a training ride to where mm-hmm. you're just trying to you know kick yourself just as to absolute failure you know, yeah. just pushing your body to the limits. It's just, let's go out. Let's have fun. Let's go shred for a while. And yeah. So, I mean, anytime I'm on my bike, no matter what bike it is, or it's my road bike, downhill bike, cross country, hardtail, whatever, I'm freaking have so much fun. So how many miles do you put in on like a road bike? Um, I would say preseason, like last winter, you know, leading up to the year, uh, I was doing, usually it was uh, three to four gym days. And then I'm on the bike about four to five days a week minimum. Um, and then on road bike, I'll do about three to, I'd say like three long road rides a week of, I'd say like 50 to 60 ish miles each ride. You know, again, I'm not going for like endurance base, you right. know, I, I need, you know, somewhat endurance for sure, but I'm going, you know, for more strength, you know, strong, leaner muscle, just, you know, being able to powerhouse through a run but, for three but minutes. But you said 50 to 60 miles yeah. a ride. A ride. That, yeah. That's what you said. Yeah. A, a uh, when I'm on my road bike. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if it's, or, you know, on the trainer, you can you know, do a bunch of intervals or mm-hmm. while I'm on the road ride, I'll do intervals, stuff like that. So, so now how, how much of that had, like, did any of that surprise you first off that you were going to have to work that hard? Or did you know that that's what it took to be the best? I mean, I knew that's what it was going to take for sure. Because I mean, um, it's all there, you know, everyone at that level, it's they're pretty close to the same skill set, mm-hmm. but it's who's going to put in that little bit mm-hmm. extra to get that again, that extra hundredth of a second, half a second here, that little extra bit of power that you can have. Um, so, like, yeah, I mean, I knew it was going to be a lot of hard work and everything. You know, I that winter, last winter, you know, I didn't have an actual job. I was like, you know, just saving up money, and I knew this winter I'm not going to work. I'm just going to found as cheap of a place I possibly could for the winter at my buddy's house in Denver and just. Trained every single day. Trained my, uh, my trainers at a Boulder, so I work with him, and he's you know it's been awesome. So it's just every day. That's that's one thing that uh, su- 
Well, okay. So did you know that you were that level of an endurance athlete before you started this? No. Because <laughs> you are an endurance athlete, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you're, especially if you're doing those kind of workouts and stuff, yeah. you're doing like, granted, it's a sprint what you're training for, mm-hmm. but it sounds like, I mean, you could probably go out and do a hundred mile road bike ride mm-hmm. and be competitive. Maybe. Well, maybe, maybe, not in, <laughs> maybe not in Colorado. Yeah, in I'll, let, I'll let those guys do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, again, you know, doing those long road rides, a lot of road athletes, you know, it's, you know, from this point of 60 miles to here, say, you know, they're getting there as fast as possible. Me, you know, doing, I'll warm up for, you know, 15, 20 miles, and then I'll start, you know, doing, all right, I'm going to be this section. I'm just freaking pinning it as hard as I possibly can. Spike the heart rate, and then you're resting again for, like, mm-hmm. the next say mile or two, then you do it again, spike it. And then, so you keep doing that. Cause that's what a, a downhill run is. You're having to hold it. Your heart rate spiked for a certain amount of time. Mm. So it's getting used to that, um, type of training, that type of, um, you know, endurance is what you're, you know, you know what we're going for. Yeah. So, and same with, you know, weight training and everything. It's not, I'm not trying to go, you know, do my what, one rep max every week, you know, two reps done. I'm like 15 to 20 reps, ladder weight, and just as hard, as hard and fast as I possibly can go to failure. Have you uh have you gotten in some like weird head spaces? Oh yeah, for like, sure. Like have you like uh like do you have, have you ever had like a revelation like while you're in like one of these like spaces? Like, oh for sure, yeah. So I like I don't know, I listen to a lot of weird like music like to get me pumped up and everything. A lot of it's just like really I would I don't even know how to pronounce it's like really soft so music with like very little words because then I can think of what's oh. going on and what's happening. And yeah, you just start thinking like the craziest things. And then, I mean, a lot of times, you know, you want to stop, but then you got to think, you know, what, why you're doing it and why you're putting yourself through that pain and everything. Because I mean, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's to, to win the race. So It's like a, uh, I was actually talking to a buddy yesterday that read, rode the uh, Leadville 100 mm-hmm. um, this last year. And I can't remember how old he is. I think he said like 47 or 48. And it was okay. his first time riding one of these. And we were kind of talking about being in that space, you know, and like being to the point where you're miserable and tired and you're questioning, why am I even doing this, you Mm -hmm. know? And then when you push like a little bit harder, it's like you add an extra rung to your ladder. Yeah. So you're the whole time you're trying to climb this ladder and you get to the top and it's the most miserable thing ever. But then when you climb down, you have an extra rung up there to go a little bit higher that next time. Exactly. Yeah, and then every ride, every ride, it's just like a little building block, building block, building block. So, so ha- has that been like? Have you felt like your mental game change away from riding? Like, uh, like so, has there has there been like a a correspondence between Dylan, normal life Dylan, mm-hmm. and you know, like uh, pro athlete Dylan? Like, has, is there some... I'd say a little bit, yeah. Uh, but, you know, then again, I mean, it's... I mean, cycling has been a part of my life since I was three years old. And so, you know, all I really know, you know, I wasn't huge into team sports. I, I played some of them, but I did, wasn't really into it. And um, so it's, it's you know, it's all part of my everyday life. I watch, you know, even right now, like being hurt, you know, off my bike for the past almost three and a half months now. It's every day I'm still watching bike videos, everything like that. So that, that is my everyday life. Um, you know, going out with friends or whatever like that, you know, it's just normal. But, um... Yeah, it's but it's something that you have to, you know, when you're doing it, and you're 
pretty much at work when you're riding, you're working. So you got to kind of get in that mindset. And then whenever mm-hmm. you're, you know, training's done, riding's done, you're like, all right, cool. Let's just like relax, do just normal things. And so you've been like out, battling so. demons for a long time. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> that's crazy. dude. Every day. Every yeah, day. That's awesome, dude. Especially when you're injured, man. Yeah. Okay. So, plays on you, so let's, sure. let's, uh, do you need another beer? You good? Yeah, I'm down. Yeah. Where you at? Okay. Take, all right. Let's pause. Take Taking a pause. Over the drops that these guys are hitting. Yeah, I mean, 60 plus feet down, like, that's just down. Then they're going out as well. And it dude, it may, you walk up to the edge, like your freaking stomach drops. You're just like, oh, like you, it's insane. Absolutely insane. But then again, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I can hit that shit. I, I, I think I might can. <laughs> like there's some things in there. I'll be like, I don't know. That's freaking, I do not ever want to hit that. There'd have to be a hell of a lot on the line for me to even attempt that. Yeah. Which I mean, is what those guys are doing. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, even no matter what sport it is, you know, I always see it and I'm like, dude, that's freaking so sick. Like, I kind of want to do that. Yeah. And a lot of times I know I can't do it, but I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. Oh, the, the urge of wanting to do it is always there for sure. It is, it is like seeing people like, that is a heroic thing to yeah. push the limit. Yeah. And seeing people do a heroic thing, like does something for the psyche, you know, like it does something mm-hmm. for just. Uh, for the for the entire society, you know, I think that's why I like gladiator sports and uh, the sacrifice of the young and all this, like the young virgin being sacrificed and all this stuff. Like people want to see the the most talented, yeah. the the most fit, the pushing the limit way out there and doing these extreme things. It like inspires like the whole. Mm-hmm. It inspires everybody to push. To it inspires engineers to say, "Can I make a bike better to where this guy can go even harder or go even crazier?" You know, it yeah. just like pushes the whole thing forward, man. And it's just to me yeah. like, uh, you know, they've you know all those guys are running like GoPros on their head, and occasionally I'll just be sitting in my like normal, you know, safe, fairly safe little life, and I, uh, one <laughs> of these videos will come across Facebook. And I'm just sitting there, like, watching this point-of-view camera. These guys, you know, rampage or something, racing down. Yeah. And then they throw a backflip in. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) What the... What are you doing throwing a backflip in the middle of this, like, crazy-ass downhill run, you know? Like, it's crazy, but it's almost like one of those things, like, when you're to that level, it's not enough just to ride it. Yeah, you gotta throw push it to that next <laughs> little level. Throw flip in there. Or something. Flip in there. Like, what are you yeah. thinking? You know? Yeah, like uh, a good friend of mine, uh, DJ Brandt. This is his first year in Red Bull Rampage, and we we ride together quite a bit. And it's and it's funny riding together because you know we'll go to Winter Park or Downhill Park, and like I'll hit a section. You know, he's definitely more a free ride oriented. You know, I mean, he'll freaking flip anything, three anything. Like, absolutely one of the most talented riders. And I'll hit a section insanely fast. He's like, dude, you're absolutely not. You're freaking nuts. And then we'll go ride a jump trail. And yeah, he'll just throw a random flip in there. Cork three, just, you know, sueys, whatever. And I'm like, dude, you're nuts. You know, so it's two, mm-hmm. and we're both riding, but it's mm-hmm. two different outlooks on what we think is just insane. You know, just, you know, he's not, he's not a racer. He's not a, a going for speed. He's going for more style and tricks and all that stuff. Where you know me, it's just like I want to get from here to here as fast as I possibly can. That's where I find my rush. Yeah. And he's just like you know, just like hopping off everything. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's a different mindset. I would say. Damn. For, yeah, from that, different the different sports, uh, but we're still on the same you know same bike. So. So 
So what does it feel like passing your limit? So like, I would say like a sense of accomplishment. I would say because you like you're you bettered yourself. You know you're you're getting faster. You're getting better. You're getting fitter. You're getting smarter, stronger. So it's like you know you've it's a definitely a sense of accomplishment. I would say. So you've sure. had these like breakthrough moments where you you realize maybe even within a minute you're like. I would, I'm a better version of myself now than I was before I did that, kind of? Yeah, and or, or, I mean, a lot of it's more... What does making a breakthrough out? look like for you, like or, or feel like? like yeah, what? I would say it's like, a lot of times, I mean, you see that during, you know, during the off-season, you're like, we're starting now, like, winter training for next year. So it's like, you know, I'll go in the gym or go on the trails, you know, we'll time the trails, this and that, and then here... In a month or two, I do the same thing and see how much I have progressed, just like a normal person mm-hmm. going to gym, something like that. But it's you know, cert, but we're looking at literally like hundreds of seconds, just like the little things that we can work better on the bike. You know, get better suspension testing, better gear, more. Say, even companies with like aerodynamic, you know, aerodynamics is huge. You know, in uh, world championships, people used to could wear skin suits, and it's absolutely insane the extra speed you get from wearing mm-hmm. a skin suit compared to a normal downhill gear and they actually banned skin suits because of it and so it's our finding gear that will make you go just that little extra Mm. bit faster to get those quicker times and so it's definitely drug out more throughout you know let's say a few months period then you know you start the season say if you started the season a horrible race but then you you know you end up in in the season on a really really big high like you want to you know you have your a b and c races your a races being you know, the ones you really want to do well at, you know, nationals or like a U.S. Open or certain like World Cups, World Championships. You know, that's a lot of like everyone's A race, what everyone wants to get to, to get picked, to go. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, you're one of the few riders from America to, you know, represent the United States of America to go. And so that's definitely like once you start doing well at races, that's like where it, when it hits you. Like, all right, hell yeah. Like, we did good. We're, we're doing something right here. Yeah. You know, Oof. and like... And next year, you know, U.S. Nationals is actually at Winter Park for the next two years. Just got announced online. And, you know, if you win that, then that's an automatic spot for a pick for World Championships. So it's like, that's that's like my, what's on my radar for next year is like if I, because, I mean, you know, it's pretty much whole mountain right now. I've won everything there is to win there at Winter Park for as far as racing goes. So it's like, that's the next do, step. Yeah, to do that and to win that with like, my family would be there, friends, everyone. So, like, to win that would absolutely, like, be absolutely insane. And then you get to go to world championships and represent, you know, the U.S. And so that's – being able to represent your country doing anything would be pretty Hell insane. yeah, dude. <laughs> that would be pretty oh, crazy. So That is super wild. So so what, what does scare you? Like, cool. for me, like, I see videos of you or different people riding and doing these – and it scares me. Like, I'm yeah. sitting there thinking, like – I don't want my kid to ever see this yeah. because if he does, he might want to start doing it. And you know, like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's scary to me, you know, but is there anything, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, like with great bodily risk, but like, yeah. is there anything that like, you're like, just like, no, no, never doing that. Like maybe <laughs> one of them, which granted, I think maybe one day I'll do it, but like scuba diving, you know, like yeah. something like that. Like kind of, it's like, I'm kind of like, man, that kind of scares me, you know? Is there anything like that that people would consider like extreme um, that that you would that you'd probably call somebody crazy for doing? I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. Like, I just I want to do 
everything. I, although I know I can't do everything, but I yeah. want to. Mm. So I don't, I mean, I don't know. I would say the biggest thing that like, scares me is just like, not anything to do with sports or anything, but I, I guess it would just be like, like failure. Mm. I would say it's like, honestly, like scares me the most of this, like not fulfilling the goals that I've set out for myself that I've, you know, set when I was, you know, young, I've accomplished a lot of them, but still there's so many that isn't there. Mm-hmm. So I think not getting to those is like deep down, just like scares me a bit because mm-hmm. I know I have to live with that. As far as like sports and everything goes, like chicken, if I could do it, I, w- I want to do it. Like, yeah. Like we went, I was in uh, Nepal for uh, a little over a month, two years ago. We did a, a, a bike packing trip all through Nepal. It was sick. And um, we went like bungee jumping, like a third world country where like yeah. dudes like barely spoke any English, you know, there's a couple like white boys going, like, yeah, let's go bungee jump, you know? <laughs> and like we get to the top and you look down, it's a tiny little like kid pool at the bottom of it. It's like some cows over here and just, we're just like, what are we doing, dude? Like this could be it. Like we're in third world country. Yeah. Just riding bikes. It's and... like, how old's that bungee cord? Yeah, I've been there. How many like, people have jumped on that thing? Is that blood? Like, yeah. you know, so that, that was so freaky. I'm not gonna lie, but it was sick. But yeah, we did it, and that was mm-hmm. that was so much fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would just say definitely like a sense of failure with just kind of, mm. or just you know, just letting people down or anything. You know, you like with your team, you, know, you do everything. They do everything they can for you to do it, and when you when you don't perform, it's like I did. You know, let them down. I let myself down, and mm. everyone else that's invested all this time and money and giving you this to go race and invested in you it's like you know that sense of like failure to them you know to them it's like no it's fine like dude like, you'll get them at the next one but in your in your mind you're like no like i let them i let them damn down. it's kind of like so, uh you know when you you're using that word pressure and it's like what make what it makes me think of is like a bullet in a in a barrel mm-hmm. and the bullet has pressure behind it pushing it out of the barrel but if something happens to where that bullet can't get out of the end of that barrel, it's going to explode the barrel in catastrophic failure. Yeah. You know? So it's kind of like one of those things where if the bullet goes out just like it's supposed to go out and the pressure's mm-hmm. properly released, you know, you make this shot. Yeah. But if something goes wrong, which happens when you're, which when you're playing yeah. with pr- pressure, you know, is mm-hmm. then it, then it, it's not, it, it's like the higher the pressure, the greater the potential, but also the greater the potential for disaster mm-hmm. that comes from it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, that's that fine line of it could go wrong, but it could go great. Yeah. So that's kind so of worth the risk there. How much of, so like one of the things I've been thinking about recently, and, and I see a lot of, you know, is I see a lot of people dying, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's really made me think like a lot like, man, you know, we don't really as a society, as a species do a whole lot of like preparation for that day, you know, for that day when it's like time to give up the ghost, a kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've been thinking about that a little bit more like, like wondering what you can do preemptively to like, so less dramatic than that, Mm -hmm. but I'm feeling it now. I'm a little thir- I'm 30 now, yeah. you know. I'm starting to feel you start to feel this like potential for in, uh for improvement yeah. slightly diminish, you know. So like are you doing work mentally for for something like that for like the uh 
for the backside, you know, like the for the uh, retirement, you could say, or something like that. Like, yeah, like does that does that enter your mind? I mean, because you're on the come up, mm-hmm. you're on the you're on the increasing high potential long term, you yeah. know, of increasing, you know. But I always wonder if like if that enters granted because you're an elite athlete. Mm-hmm. If that enters your mind early on, I think about like football players too. You know, yeah. like when you're rookie year, are you thinking like, "Hey, I'm going to be 35 one day," you know, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it, it definitely does, and that's that's actually one reason I got into photography, videography was, you know, I can't race forever, mm-hmm. but I can at least get out there and hold a camera, you know, and produce content and still get paid to go to all these events. I'm not racing. But I'm still there. I'm in the atmosphere. I'm hanging out, I'm doing this and that with them, and that's something with who I race for on you know Common Saw USA. With actually with say it, that again, Common Common Saw. Common Saw. Yeah, okay. Common Saw. We're uh, yeah, it's a French based company out of Andorra, mm-hmm. right next to oh. France, and yeah, we're like direct to consumer company. So we're everything from the USA comes straight out of our headquarters out oh. in Golden. Um, been in the US for about four years now. Oh. But uh, yeah, so I signed with the t- the USA team last November. And, you know, racing for them and everything. And then this accident happened. And it was almost kind of like, I'm not saying it happened for a reason, but with this accident, I wasn't able to race or anything. And they were like, oh, well, like, you just want to, you know, you can start working here. We have some stuff to do here. You know, some people had left the company and we need some help on like the video side, photo side, kind of more of like team manager ish, you know, working mm-hmm. with athletes. So I was like, yeah, for sure. That, you know, you've been the athlete. You know how to deal with athletes. You know how to shoot photos. You know how to do videos. Like, just come on. So that's what I've been doing for the past few months. And this is honestly like a position like this is what every racer kind of dreams almost of getting after racing is being like a team manager. So you're still at every event, you're dealing everything on the back burner to make sure they, the athletes can race, mm-hmm. but you're, you're still in that, you're still there. You're still getting paid to go do all these events and still, instead of when you can't race anymore, you're, you know, you're done, you're cut out. So that's kind of with this now position in that it's like, all right, cool. I kind of have an end now for when I can't race anymore. And it's, you know, a well, you know, paid position that I still get to live pretty much my dream Yeah. of working, you know, with athletes and bringing on younger kids that like is on the cusp of like almost there. They just need that little extra support. Mm-hmm. So I get with them and then to have those kids do well and to become like the next world champ or national champ, this and that, it, it gives you another sense of like I didn't win it, but I did help another kid win. So it only, it's a win for you as well. So that, you know, I love working with kids. I coach a lot of kids. I've coached for, I coached on Whistler for 2010 through 14 every summer. And I coach a team at uh, winter park, coach them and other juniors. So I love working with kids and teaching them and seeing them progress and everything. And so that's definitely something that I want to keep doing after racing. Yeah. You know, with the, you know, me coming pretty much here from nothing to making something that I've made in my career to help someone that I see is on that same path that I'm like, I want to help you. Like, I'll give you that little extra support you need. You have the talent, you have the mindset, you just need the bike to do it on. And, you know, that little extra comfortability of knowing, oh, wow, I have have a sponsor now like someone's like believes in me to yeah do it. Oh, so that's what man. like i'm i love i love about it so because every time we race it's it's a you know it's a gamble you know you do all that preparation and you know right as the course starts you know again weather flat crash everything you know weekend's done but everything you know outside of that that you can do to help 
build a racer up, you know, get them to the next race, next event, get them in that mindset of forgetting, forget about this race. Just get your mindset on the next one. You're gone, which is what, you know, team managers do mm-hmm. is what I'm, you know, slowly getting into. So well, and it, it's one of those things that's fascinating me, fascinating to me. Uh, that one of the things that's fascinated me about you is an extreme among extremes. Mm-hmm. So anybody who's dropping in to that race is a badass. Period. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like every single one of them is a badass. So then to to have the mindset of I've got to be the best of the best of of the bravest of the fastest of the most prepared of you know. Mm-hmm. It seemed like it, uh, most, most everybody who tries that is going to be a failure. Yeah. Most everybody who tries it, even the best of the best are going to oh, be yeah. failures. Like, so it's just, it's just like crazy to me. Like when, and, and then to hear like you and like confidently and perform confidently mm-hmm. say, well, I, I'm, I'm going to, I've been dreaming. My plan is to be the best of the best and I'm going to do it. Like, you know, it's just kind of like, it's just kind of an interesting, it's an interesting, uh, mindset, you know, like it's, it's inspiring. It's an inspiring mindset, you know, to, uh, and people do it all the time in a bunch of different ways in a bunch of different fields. Yours is just, uh, a very, uh, risky way of like like proving it you know of like proving like uh setting a setting a level for yourself you know Mm -hmm. it's 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 cool it's inspiring i i love adventure sports for that reason you know yeah is you get to see these people that um believe in themselves yeah yeah and that's one thing with any you know single person sport you know mountain biking motocross skiing snowboarding skateboarding into that there is you know there there's a team behind you there is with everyone but when it all comes down to it it's up to you and i think that's one thing that i never really liked about team sports is like i respect them for sure but i don't want to have to rely on someone else when like the time comes down to it i want everything to be on me if i Mm -hmm. something goes wrong it's like it's me it's not because you know, well, Jimmy over there missed the, the catch, you know, <laughs> yeah. something like that. You're doing everything right, and then someone else fails, and then you fail. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that. If I fail, I want it to be me. Yeah. But then if I win, I want it to be me and then the team behind me that right, right. supported me doing that. Wow. And, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's just a different mindset. Like you said, it's yeah. just it's something that, again, we learned from a young age. You know, yeah, again, I started when I was three years old, so it's. You know, my dad raced dirt bikes for forever. My grandpa, everyone did. And so it's just like, that's what we did. Dang. So you're, mm. you're a lineage buyer. What is that? Uh, what is that called? When it's like passed down from one generation to the next, like, uh, damn, I can't think of that word. You know what, I know what you're talking about? about. Uh, I, that word will come to me. Maybe it'll come to me here in a minute, but yeah, that's, that's uh, crazy dude to think like, so do you think like that there's some aspect of like handling speed that's genetic i would say so like if you look at any um like athlete that that's won something great you know a lot of like tests have come out of even like marathon runners like there's been proven science 
facts of they they just have different genetics mm-hmm. to help them perform that. So I think it's yeah, it's definitely something you're you're born with, but also you have to know how to to use it and not have it go to waste. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's so I know so many talented mountain bike racers that just didn't. I would say fulfill what they what they're capable of, Ooh. and they you know and they failed. But it's like they're just so much, they're capable of so much more because this is the the talents there. They have all the talent in the world on a bicycle, and they can do something great. But they they just either from you know being stupid or mistakes they've made or just going down the wrong path or something. You know they just they just don't fulfill the the best potential that they're mm. able to do. So that that kind of comes back to like the mental aspect of it too. Is like. And what you want to get out of it, you know, too. There's some people out there that's the most talented person in the world, but they just want to do it for fun. They could care less. They want to work, you know, dead desk drive and just go ride for fun, which mm-hmm. is freaking, hey, dude, have fun. Like, mm-hmm. I respect mm-hmm. that. But, you know, if it's if it's something you want to do and you want to be the best at it, then, you know, you're going to put your absolute heart and soul and everything into do anything that you can mm-hmm. to be the best. And, you know, I mean, a lot of, you know, Lots of the late nights, you know, being by yourself a lot, you know, relying, being you know, very self-reliable on a lot of situations to help get you to, the, you know, the race, you know, when you first turn pro or first getting into it. I mean, you're by yourself a lot, you know, especially when you live in a van. I mean, you're, you're solo in that thing, mm-hmm. and, but, but it's, that's, you learn to be very self-reliable, you know, self-sufficient on everything. So that goes back to like battling demons. Yeah, no, 100%. Like there, there are times probably where you're sitting there and it's like... What am I doing? What the hell am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, it's like literally from throwing all my money away to go race a freaking bicycle. I'm, you know, most of the time it doesn't go how you want it to go. Mm-hmm. And you're, yeah, you're, I'm sitting here by myself in my van. Like, but then again, it's like I just find random places to park it and you look around you. It's just like beautiful mountains, everything. You're just by yourself. And then that just kind of gives you a sense of like, I don't know, it's like comfort. Yeah, well, and it's like a large portion of life is suck anyway. Like yeah, just, exactly. just, I mean, so so it's not like uh, that there's any way of avoiding those uh, those quiet corners mm-hmm. of doubt that sure. exist in yeah. everybody. You know, like, uh, let's say you did an inverse and you went to school, you finished all your college, you're like, hey, I'm, you know, now you're sitting behind a desk. Hating your life, hating hate, your job, yeah. have in debt for years because of the the degree you went to school for did nothing for you now. Exactly. So I, in my opinion, you know, with you know, I mean, it's pissed a lot of people off. But you don't have to go to school to be successful, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's finally coming out more and more people are proving that, and or just to be happy, you know, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of a sense of like, especially coming from here and doing what I do, it's not really that common (laughs) and um, I mean there's not a whole lot of downhill in Amarillo (laughs) yeah it's pretty flat there's not a lot of hills in Amarillo Um, but it's this like a sense of like coming from somewhere that doesn't have anything that you want to do and like making something out of that making Mm -hmm. something out of yourself and giving you know your parents your brother your you know niece nephew friends someone to be like damn like he freaking did it like had a goal, he set it, and that's one thing. That's another kind of, kind of comes back to like the me being scared of anything. Like that right there is another thing that I'm like I'm terrified of. Is not you know again not getting those goals that I've set for myself that other people have helped me, you know, 
push me to do that. Yeah. That I want to do it not just for myself, but for them. Like they've they've made sacrifices. Yeah. For you to do for it. sure, especially like like my parents do. Like this is like they go back to my mom. Like she's always just the nervous wreck. Oh, she's I mean they've you know when I was younger driving me to all the races you know all the time and I was you know for the a series that was called the Mountain States Cups it was uh, all Colorado New Mexico mainly. But it was one of the top series in the um, the United States, which like luckily we were like, pretty close to mm-hmm. it. And but I started like doing really well in the amateurs, like racing. But Ed, but I was the only one, or one of like, very few, traveling from Texas to racing them. And once I started winning, they're like, "Wow, he's this, you know this Texas kid traveling up doing this because everyone else is from you know Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, all these like mountainous places." And so, you know, my parents always just forking out the money for hotels, for gas, for food, entry fees, like adds up quick for like event after event after event. So like that to do something with it, to, you know, to show them it's like, it wasn't just for nothing, you know, is is a very satisfying, yeah. satisfying to it. So <laughs> I mean, it's, you're definitely, you're definitely carry with you like a lot of pride from Amarillo of the people that know you in Amarillo and know of it I mean like yeah uh it is it's something that put Amarillo on the map in a way in a way that had never been put on the map before and in a way that probably like 95 percent of Amarillo didn't even know it could like was part of the map yeah that downhill mountain bike racing is even a thing and now you got an Amarillo well Bushland Amarillo boy Mm -hmm. that's like winning this shit you know like not just placing not just like making a show of it you know yeah. i mean it's a it's an amazing uh i mean it's an ama- it's an amazing thing just to win a single event period mm-hmm. so yeah and yeah and then, you know come out like the amarillo thing it's like i want to you know if i did have the opportunity you know to do something here in amarillo to even help build like a bike park which they're everywhere in colorado like the front range we have I have like probably six, seven different like little mini bike parks in the city that can drive you from like pump tracks, dirt jumps, you know, skills areas with you know ladders and everything, stuff like that to be able to possibly bring that to Amarillo instead of just having you know the the pitcher pump trails. You know those got shut down from yeah some dude wanting to build like a house or something. Building a house. Yeah, I heard about that, and and so it's like all right, well there goes that spot that I grew up riding on. Mm And then, you know, there's other, you know, Paul, of course, Pottery Canyon, other things, but it's like to come have like a skills park where, you know, it's literally from a full beginner to someone, say, of my caliber that can go there and just have an absolute blast. You know, to be able, I don't know, something to do with Amarillo, to be able to do that would be sweet. And, um, you know, I know the builders, I know the companies to make it happen, but it's, you know, coming up with the funding and be able to help out with the funding, something like that. So it would be awesome. So, yeah, I definitely have a lot of pride for being from Amarillo. I'm always, you know, I mean, I've, you know, live, Colorado's my home now, but I'm still Amarillo, Texas boy. For, yeah, it's kind of one of those things, like, uh, they say, you know, Amarillo's a black hole, and mm-hmm. you never quite escape the pool of it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and it's kind of one of those yeah. things that's funny, because it's like, uh, who knows, you know, like, even if you come back after you're 60 or something, it's mm-hmm. like, damn, it was true. The gravity is too strong. <laughs> pull, me <back. laughs> pull me back. I thought I got yeah. out of it. But I'm back, yeah. dude. I'm back. There's weird there's a weird force with this area, man, because there there's I think it's some of it has to do with like the old adage of uh there's a uh, like promise on the frontier, you know? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people came to this area from the east 
because of the promise of gold or, you know, like free range for your cattle or like all these different things. There's always like the promise that like exists like in a, in a place like maybe it's like the wide open spaces of it. Maybe it's could be. I don't don't exactly know. And a lot of people, you know, that I've learned it's, you know, it's a sense of like comfortability, you know, they get comfortable here Mm -hmm. and a lot of people are afraid to get out of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's, you know, come back here and talk to, you know, a lot of my friends, you know, they see what I'm doing, everything. And a lot of them say, God, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. I'm like, you could, dude. Like, just, I mean, I literally, like, after high school graduation, like, everyone's going to the parties and everything. That I was going home packing my stuff to move to, like, you know, obviously, like, chase a dream. But there's, you can always, you know, they just like, oh, I just want to live in the mountains. I'm like, all right, cool, do it, man. Like, yeah, it's not like it was given to you <laughs> on a civil pa- like a silver platter. Oh God, no. It wasn't. It wasn't served up to you. You have to earn. Yeah, you like have to, these things. Yeah, you have to get out of your comfort zone and be, you know, comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of times is hard. But you know, it's if you, you know, a motto I always do is, you know, if I go and I fail, at least I tried. Yeah. You know, if you know, if all this was a one big failure, well, I freaking had a hell of a time doing it. One well, it was, it's so. redefining your comfort zone, right? Yeah. It's like so. you might have said at one point in time, "Hey, I'm never gonna, I'm never not gonna have a room, mm-hmm. and I'm always gonna have a roof over my head." A lot of people define comfort saying, "I'm gonna have a roof over my head. I'm gonna have a house. I want this," yeah. and then it's like, "Well, I, I can live in a van and I can be yeah. comfortable. You know, mm-hmm. I can be dog ass tired." Sitting in a parking lot drinking a beer and be comfortable. Yeah. You know, exactly. not being able to feel my feet because they're so cold, you know, or something <laughs> like that. It's redefining yeah. what it means to be comfortable, you know. And, yeah. And, and, you know, a little bit of it too seems like redefining what it means to live. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. are existing, they're not living. They're, oh, 100%. they're you know, they're in this like, uh, like mental space of, it's all about this next thing. It's all about what I'm going to do in the future instead mm-hmm. of living in the moment and saying, "No, this is what I'm. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. This yeah. is why I'm here." You know? Yeah, and that's. I think a lot of people try to plan too far in advance instead of just like you said, like live in the moment, live now, like worry about tomorrow instead of next week, next month, next year. Like, mm-hmm. so many different things can change between mm-hmm. now and then. I mean, now until the the end of the day so many different things can change you just kind of got to work with what you're given at the moment and you know go off mm-hmm. of it and um you know i mean i'm you know very spiritual i'm a christian and everything i read my bible all the time that's one thing that god says was you know don't plan in advance leave that leave that up to him mm-hmm. live in the now worry about what's going on this time because that's the only thing that you can um have control of it's the only thing so, that exists like that's yeah. that's so. one of the things that's crazy is we imagine the future yeah. and a lot of times we imagine the past like, I, I have a nostalgic view of what happened yesterday. I don't have an actual view of what happened yesterday. Yeah. The only thing that I actually know for concrete fact that is properly happening that I'm perceiving is what I'm currently perceiving. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, man. It's hard to get. And I think, like, part of uh, the cool aspect of an extreme sport where you're living beyond the, the limit is you're not allowed like in that moment there is no time to think about anything else other than where you're currently at at this very specific moment you know like Mm -hmm. you can't even be thinking about that next jump you got to be thinking about that next turn Mm -hmm. and let that next jump worry about you know like you what, what you were saying is it's like you're shaving milliseconds off 
of every single action that you're making. So if you're worrying about this bottom section and you're not focused on this turn that you're about to hit, you're losing. Yeah. You're blowing yeah, you're blowing it. <laughs> that is crazy, dude. Yeah. That's so I think man. that's that kind of with racing has taught me like so many things and just normal is everyday living. Mm-hmm. Just like that, you know, mm-hmm. it's stop worrying about what's ahead of you and just worry about you know what's happening right mm-hmm. now and it's because then you screw up what's happening right now and then you don't even get to that bottom part, bottom right. section of the right. course. So Damn. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, man. That's super crazy. Huh. Yeah, it's uh it's weird. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh okay, man, dude, we've been going for an hour, a little over an hour and a half. So Dang. let's uh I so let's hit let's hit the last three points yeah. of the podcast. So We've already talked about it a little bit, but uh, maybe try to make a little bit more of a concise, maybe condensed to how do you define success? How do I define success? I would say with whatever whatever makes you happy on a daily basis and you're doing that, I would say you're successful. If you wake up every morning and you're, you're stoked to wake up, you're stoked to go to work or go to the gym or your favorite coffee job, whatever it is, if you live every day and you're just, you're happy, then I would say you're successful. So let me challenge you a little bit on that. Cause I imagine that there's a lot of days cause you push yourself extremely hard mm-hmm. that you wake up and you're not necessarily happy in that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. In that moment. Yeah. So is it, so would you say success is a more hmm, permeated thing? Like, is it, is it something that it doesn't live necessarily right in that moment, but it's like a it's like a mindset that yeah it's a or, it's a big picture it's a big picture and there's so many little things that adds up to that big picture and yeah you mm-hmm. you have you have your down days you have your mornings you wake up you're so freaking sore from like the rise before train days before you don't want to get up you don't want to do your stretches you just want to lay in bed on the couch and just you know drink coffee all day yeah. eat some Cheetos like <laughs> which I definitely do that sometimes. <laughs> Um, but I mean, it's, you have to know those days are coming no matter what you're in life. Like, you know, you're going to have your shit days. You know, you're going to have your, your rough uh, times that you go through, but it's knowing that what you're going through that for a reason and all the Mm -hmm. good things that you've done to even lead up to that. And, and even thinking it's, you know, everyone, someone else always has a worse off. Mm. there's always that there's always someone that has a worse and um i think going back to like helping like the younger generation of kids and everything doing that and seeing kids that don't have uh or aren't near as privileged say as we are and being able to help that out i think that's you know, in my mind also as a point of success is helping mm. other people achieve that of what you've you know worked your butt off for that yeah. they may not have that opportunity um and you know having yeah, their happiness is that you had something to do with. I think is pretty pretty cool. Yeah. So I don't know. That's successful. Like to yeah, me. Yeah. Hell yeah, so, dude. Yeah, it doesn't get much better yeah. than that. So what? What are some of your plugs? You got some plugs. Plugs. Like uh, sponsors, mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff. You got any plugs like that that you want to throw out? Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm with you know Common Saw USA and um, 100% Afton Shoes Trestle Bike Park. Um, Rhino Power Supplements, where 
we're working with a roastery right now that uh, coming on, so that'd be cool. Um, hopefully, be able to announce that soon. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like it's just like the you know it's a, a small group of people that you know make a the, the game happen. And I mean, even the, you know, my parents, my brother, everyone, you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them, hundred percent. Like they've you know always inspired me in many different ways and yeah. keep inspiring me. Hell yeah, every day. So dope, dude. yeah, dope. Um, and then, which I'm going to put in the description to the show, I'll put like mm-hmm. a link to your Instagram. Sweet. Yeah. Um, is there any other links I should put in? No, I'm just Dylan Lamar. Yeah, Dylan Lamar. That's it. Facebook and Instagram. Facebook, That's Instagram. It. Hit him add up. Me, add me on Snapchat if you want to see really weird stuff on Snapchat <laughs> <laughs> that I can't post on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> add me on Snapchat. See, I haven't even, I don't, I've never made the transition into Snapchat. Uh, dude, it's stupid, but you should do it. It's yeah, it's right there. <laughs> It's fun, like just yeah, it's just ridiculous stuff. It's ridiculous stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then the last thing is, do you have mm-hmm. a song that you want to close the podcast out with? A song? Yeah. Ooh. I usually spring the I spring this on my guests, and every single time I spring it on my guests, I always think, man, I should have messaged my guests this before I spring it on them at the very end. But sometimes it's fun to spring it on them. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, actually, yeah. Who's seen it? I just found this song the other day. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, that fresh. I, yeah, it's a, it's a fresh one. It might be an old one. I don't even know. It's new to me. Fresh in Dylan's uh, head. Yeah, it's fresh to me, though. Whose song? Where is it at? I just saved it. The It's called Take Yours, I'll Take Mine by Matthew Mole. Take mine. Yeah. Take so yours, Matthew Matthew Mole. Matthew Mole. Dang man, my my pen. I've had that pen for a year, and it's just lost its ink. Dang, it's impressive. You haven't just lost it. Oh, dude. So <laughs> my my mother in law bought me this like, little leather. You like yeah. clip in piece. So like you you know you can add and take out paper. Sick. And. Dude, it's helped a lot, man. Like it's it's weird because it has this little little pin holder. Yeah. So I kind of keep this with me all the time. Have like little different tabs and stuff. But dude, it's really helped like organize yeah, my thoughts. You know, organize my mind. So for sure. Take yours. I'll take mine. mine yeah. By Matthew what? Matthew Mole. M O L E. M O L E. Yeah, he's a. Uh... Yeah, just heard about the guy. Just like Randy found him on Spotify, and he's been dude. Spotify is amazing <laughs> yeah. because it just like it'll show. Do you know who Mick Jenkins is? Have you heard of the rapper yeah. Mick Jenkins? He uh, just popped up on on one of my like the generated Spotify playlists. Mm-hmm. He's a rapper, and it just like it popped up, and it was just like fit like my time in life where I was at. Everything it was like Spotify. Like, their algorithms know me better than I know myself. Oh, right. You know, like, they show me stuff. It's it's almost like having, like, a Merlin or, like, a Yoda, like, in my pocket. <laughs> right. It's just like, here's what you need, yeah, like, you know? Thank you, Spotify. This is what you were thinking of. This is yeah. what you didn't know your life was missing, you know? It just, like, drops it on you. It's yeah. amazing, you know? That's actually the crazy things about, I don't know if you've noticed on, like, Instagram and stuff, like, when... Something that we probably talked about today when you scroll through and you see the sponsored ads on Instagram, it like pops up. Yeah. It's like freaking like listening to. Yeah. We have to buy these wildland boots now for uh, for the fire department. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have to buy like a very specific type of boot. 
And so the word Danner started getting dropped around because Danner Boots makes some wildland boots. Okay. I've never seen an Instagram ad for Danner. And then as soon as we start talking about these boots, instantly all these like... And I didn't even search any boots. I ended up buying a pair of used boots off of one of my buddies that yeah. had a pair, you know, that I work with. So I didn't ever even typed in Danner into my phone. And Danner boot ads start popping up all over my Instagram feed. It was like, damn, dude, they're getting me. They're getting me somehow, you know. Yeah. If they're not listening through the mic, there's there's something going on. Like that's next level, you know. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's like the uh, the self aware artificial intelligence is like art is like hiccuping, you know, like or like maybe it's like coming into gestation and these are like the the first signs, you know? Like <laughs> right. people don't even know what's going on. Yeah, it's like, it's coming on! Right. What are we doing? Plot, yeah. Plan. Eagle plan. Oh, right on, man. So yeah. this is uh this is Take Yours, I'll Take Mine by Matthew Mole. Thank you, Dylan, for giving me mm-hmm. an hour and 44 minutes of your time. That was a long Dang, episode. Yeah, that was a long one. It goes by fast, though, huh? It does. It's, no, it's crazy. For, thanks for having me on. This was awesome. Oh, dude, it's, it's, it's it, my pleasure. My pleasure. Anyway, thank you all for listening, and until next time, peace out. Later. Take mine on the right hand side I'll rest and you'll find that you take rest in one So take these words and make them right So one day you and I will write our names in the sky We'll confide and I'll find mine on the right of your side I'll find mine on the right of your side If I throw away my fear and pride to set things right Then I'll find mine on the right of your side Brothers and sisters, fill these cups with life Please forgive them, cause they know not their lives So take these words and make them right So one day you and I will write our names in the sky We'll confide And I'll find mine on the right of your side And I'll find mine on the right of your side If I throw away my fear and pride to set things right Then I'll find mine on the right of your side
Right. And I'll find mine on the right of your side 